time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Thursday edition, Scoops with Danny Max. Scott Manziera is with us. Scotty, always good to be with you. How you doing this morning, Dan? I'm doing great, man. Weather's been awesome. Got a little warmer. We're going to get cold here pretty soon, but uh, we can probably get some golf in. Unfortunately, I wish I was watching Cardinal baseball. been watching a ton of baseball. Well, you've seen a lot of Cardinals baseball, just the, the players that used to be on their team. I don't know why you got to keep throwing shots like that, man. <laughs> You and, and Randy, not Randy Rosarena, but you and Carriker are sitting there throwing shots. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that are former Cardinals or in the Cardinal farm system that are still playing baseball. I'm going to get into that in just a moment. Uh, by the way, Travis Ford is going to be our guest. So if you are a college basketball fan in general, it's going to be interesting to hear how college coaches are dealing with COVID-19, whether it be practices schedules what the billikins are doing um because I, I find it fascinating you know the ncaa said okay here we go here's the schedule we're going to move the season back a couple of weeks and go get them the problem is is that certain jurisdictions cities whatever have different rules with COVID 19 so how do you play those schedules and they book these schedules a year two years in advance you got home and homes those kind of things so how do you make a schedule? How do you deal with your kids? How are you trying to do Zooms? How are you trying to have this all come together? So we'll visit with Travis Ford in what could be a really special year for the Billikens. So that's college basketball, but we start with Major League Baseball and the postseason. The Astros blow a three-run lead. I know that puts a frown on a lot of people's faces because they want to see the Astros advance to their fourth consecutive American League Championship Series. Bob Melvin does not get enough credit. He's a terrific manager with Oakland. They find a way to do it every single year. Well, he rolled the dice yesterday. Liam Hendricks, three-inning save. They come back to win it late 9-7. to The Oakland A's pick up a win over Houston. Josh James has given up back-to-back hits to begin things here in the seventh inning. And here's Chad Pender. He's had a two-hit day. And he drives one to right field towards the corner. Tucker going back onto the track at the wall. It's gone! A three-run home run for Pender and with one swing of the bat for the Oakland A's. This game is tied 7-7. Seven to seven. Pender takes it out of the yard to the corner. And it's 7-7 seven, seven from L.A. in game three of the ALDF. You know, I just had to get him in the game. I just couldn't let him sit out there and wait. And, you know, we had to shut them down, the part of the order that was coming up. You know, Frank Coeur was asking before the game, would you use him for three? And I don't know about three, but with his pitch count as manageable as it was, um, really wasn't that tough a decision once I started to, you know, once I talked to him in between innings. They just have the shift on the infield, and Brantley pops it up. And that's going to be playable into left field. Robbie Grossman is right there under it, and he makes the catch, and the A's have won it. Wow. And a throwback three-inning save for Liam Hendricks at the end of an epic battle between the A's and the Astros, and the A's come all the way back. Five home runs and then some for the Athletics, and the Oakland A's have forced a game four tomorrow. Houston. A's nine. And the Astros, 7. Houston led 7-4. to four. The A's, 5 unanswered. They avoid elimination. Now facing elimination, the New York Yankees. Tampa Bay, 8-4 to four over the Bronx Bombers. 
Well, I know that's what makes us good, that we've got so many guys that can help us win games on both sides of the ball, whether it's with their defense or, or you know, offensively. Um, depth is something that I guess everybody has. We have talented depth, and, and that's got us to this point in a big way. That's Kevin Cash. He is the manager of Tampa Bay. They find a way. They're finding players on other teams like, yep, Randy Arozarena. So here's some of the things I dug up. First rookie in American League history to have four multi-hit games in the postseason. Two National League rookies have done that. One being Pepper Martin, 1931 with the Cardinals. The other, Miguel Cabrera, 2003. He had four of those. Randy has homered in three straight, three games with three or more hits, multi-hits in four straight, at least one extra base hit in five straight. Now, let's be realistic about this. I'm not sure anybody on the planet saw this coming. The Cardinals didn't see this coming. Talent evaluators didn't see this coming. He always did hit in the minor leagues. Now, some may be asking, did the video that was posted last year, did this cost him? Did this get get him out of town? I've been asked that. No, it did not. Not in my opinion. Uh, I asked Brian Walton yesterday of thecardinalnation.com, who covers the minor leagues day in and day out of the St. Louis Cardinals. The flip side of this. Number one, about Matthew Libertor. He was part of the deal that brought... Uh, to Libertor to St. Louis from Tampa Bay. When could we see him? And the other part of this is that the teams that are advancing are bopping. Okay, they're hitting home runs. They're hitting for power. Mike Schilt even addressed this in the postseason. He said, look, we're getting guys on. We're not bringing them in. They did in the first two games. They didn't in game three. And that was a problem during the regular season. Cardinals were in the top five and on-base percentage, but didn't bring them in. They weren't hitting for power. So I asked Brian about those two guys. Arrival time for Matthew Libertor and what he expects from Nolan Gorman. Yeah, and we really don't know, Dan. It's it's unfortunate that because of COVID and, and all the things that were going on, the Cardinals were never able to open up alternate camp to any outsiders, whether they be scouts or media. So, you know, while we get reports on everybody, you know, in, in the summer camp in Springfield, we really don't know exactly what was going on. But uh, Libertor and Zach Thompson, we can't you know forget about the both left-handers, are in a position where you would think, that they'll either start in double-A next year and move up to triple-A or maybe even be a triple-A next year and be in, you know, in a position where they could potentially contribute to St. Louis next season. And as I talked about in, in the last question, you know, the Cardinals may have to trade some pitching depth to, to get some offensive help. And so you know, these young pitchers that are coming up, that specifically the two you mentioned, are guys that could easily you know, find themselves in the picture next season. Yeah, Nolan Gorman is another one that intrigues me too. Cardinals need power. They need slugging. Mike Schilt even talked about it. He said, hey, we're getting guys on base. We're not bringing them in. We're not hitting with the power and the slugging that we need. Nolan Gorman would be one of those guys in terms of ETA for him. What did you project in a normal season ETA for Nolan Gorman for where he was going to be at this year in the minor leagues? And then what would be the normal uh, you know, trajectory for a guy like Nolan Gorman? Well, my optimistic you know, hope for Gorman in 2020 had it been a regular year would have been a season like Dylan Carlson had last year, right? Uh, play most of the year at double A, perform well. Uh, be recognized, move up, get a you know get a taste at AAA, and then take it from there. Again, we don't know you know how his season progressed this year. Certainly, it wouldn't be the same experience level as it would have been had he played 144 game season and some playoffs. 
So, but, you know, the Cardinals are positioned another year of Matt Carpenter at third base and Tommy Edmund filling in doing, you know, Tommy Edmund things. And, you know, 2021 is going to be a huge pivotal year for Nolan Gorman because, you know, there's, I get there's a segment of fans that still want to see the Cardinals, you know, get Nolan Arenado, but that's just not going to happen in the financial world we're living in right now. So, you know, we've got to get through one more year and hope that 2021 Nolan Gorman gets a better grasp on the strike zone, controls those strikeouts, and can, you know, beat that next power threat in the in the middle of the lineup for the Cardinals. Does it make you think about the pressure a little bit on Libertor to an extent? You know, not that he's going to feel it personally, but the fan base, yeah, they're wondering, where's Libertor? Where's he at? I got to see this guy. Let's let it play out. But, hey, Randy Rosarena tearing it up right now. National League. Atlanta, their pitching has been the story, and yet it's been their offense that people talk about so much, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, regular season, Marcelo Zuna, Freddie Freeman, MVP in my mind, Acuna, Albies, and Brian Snicker did the right thing. You know, BK was asking me the other day, why is Ozuna playing so well? Why has he had this year? Well, they, they did a, a situation with their lineup. They moved guys up. And they all thrived. They all just took off. And that even includes one Dansby Swanson. Swanson with a drive out to left field. That ball well hit. Dickerson looking up. And that one is gone. Second of this postseason for Dansby Swanson. Just with the way our bullpen and pitching staff in general has been going, anytime we can get out ahead early, I feel like is, is awesome. And just trying to create some momentum for us to be able to um, build on to move forward you know, in that game. So uh, just happened to be me today. Uh, and Travis came through uh, there in like the what, the fifth or sixth. So, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's definitely good to get out uh, to a lead early. Third shutout of the postseason for Atlanta. Three of four games have been shutouts for the Atlanta Braves. They were looking for pitching. Third team in Major League history to pitch shutouts in three of four. That's incredible. That joins the 1905 New York Giants and the 1966 Baltimore Orioles. That was the year in 1966 the Orioles won the World Series. In the other series, it was late last night. If you missed it, Dodgers and Padres. The Dodgers won it 6-5. This was an entertaining game. There's a side story to this, but Cody Bellinger is starting to heat things up. And Tatis... The fly ball to center field and Dee Bellinger going back to the wall. He leaps and makes a spectacular catch. Cody Bellinger robs Tatis of a two-run home run. His glove was six or seven inches over the yellow line and straightaway center. A spectacular catch by Cody Bellinger. And the Dodgers get out of the inning. Oh, what a play. I knew he hit it, so it was either from in my head, I was like, all right, that's gone off the black screen, or I'm going to get to the wall and maybe have a chance to catch it, and uh, just kind of turned around as fast as I could, got to the fence, and saw that it was, it was robbable, so I just tried to try to time up the jump, and uh, it was that's how it worked out. It was an unbelievable play. He's like a foot over the wall. Now, I do have a question. If you saw this game, I'm mixed on this. So Machado strikes out. I don't know if you saw this, Scotty. And the pitcher for the Dodgers kind of blew him a kiss. Benches got hot. And so if Machado hits a home run, he's allowed to bat flip or Tatis's or Marcelo Zuna's taking selfies going down the line. 
And, you know, it's kind of accepted now. But if a pitcher does that, well, that's a different story. We, we can't do that. But yet Trevor Bauer is, you know, Connor McGregor, Connor McGregor going off the mound. But, you know, people don't like that. Well, wait a minute. A, a hitter can do that when he hits a home run, but yet a pitcher can't do something like that when he goes off the mound. How does the batter ever get back at the pitcher either? Like the pitcher can at least beam you the next, the next. Well, that's appearance. the point. That's it's not fair. So if we're going to let them play, that's, that's what major league baseball is saying. We're going down a slippery slope. So let them play. We're trying to get the 18 to 30 year olds and the 35 year old. Hey, let, well, I want to see bat flips. I want to see all this excitement. I want to see guys, let them play, let them bat flip, let them do all these things. Let them take the selfies. Oh, Great. Well, wait a minute. The pitcher just did it. Oh, I don't like that. But you do like the bat flips. But you don't like guys blowing kisses. You don't like Joe Kelly doing what he did to the Astros. Bench is clear. Now, wait a minute. But your guy can do that. But my guy, wait a minute. Well, where, where does where do we stop it? I again, I, I'm just I'm opening it up. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. If you have one, you have to have the other. And for me, That's if, a, the if, point. A, if a pitcher does it, I'm, I'm cool with it, Dan. I like it. So the, Trevor Bauer has come out and said to to guys, hey, if you if you put one uh, in the upper deck and you, you know, you do somersaults down the first baseline and you're doing backflips and bat flips, fine, go ahead. You beat me. But if I get you, I get to do it to you. But apparently that's not accepted by some. So my point is you can't have it both. If you're not, if you don't let one happen and you don't let this one happen, you got to let it both happen. So you're saying you can't have it both ways. I think you should. I, I agree with you, Dan. You can have it both ways. If people get upset over it though. Well, apparently that's, that's, that's what their, we got. That's their issue. Apparently some teams don't like it. The Padres apparently didn't like it, but yet if you watched in the Cardinals series, they were doing bat flips all over the place. The number one team in baseball that you would say, hey, who's the most exciting team to watch in baseball? 90% of people's answers would probably be the Padres. So how ironic. But why are they exciting? Because they bat flip. No, 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 no. They're exciting because they're athletic. They're exciting because they hit home runs. That's what I would say. They're exciting because Tatis is making diving catches. Because he's stretching at second base because he's long and lanky and made an unbelievable play. Do I get excited because he bat flips and hits his chest? I, not really. Not to me. I would get excited watching him hit a home run in a crucial time in the game as a fan. But is it? do I get overly excited because when he hits, he stands and he starts pounding his chest? That That's not necessarily exciting for me. Now, younger fans may say that's exciting, and that's okay. But if he gets struck out in a crucial spot and player X or pitcher X starts pounding his chest, you got to have it both ways now. Agreed. So, I, again, I, I just think you got to have it both ways. So I'd be interested in that. Uh, let's see. 314. Watch the last World Baseball Classic. They were going crazy with every single play. I'd rather have that in baseball. Again, that's fine. Uh, 314 again. Exciting is run prevention. Mm-hmm. Six five one. The difference is that the batter always has the uphill battle, and the square off the pitcher always has the advantage. So it's a big deal when he gets a batter out to show off like that is kind of tacky. You're supposed to do that as a pitcher. 
Uh, let's see. 618, I think he blew the kiss after Machado gave him poop for throwing his hat and glove. Machado said he was going to do uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Yeah, I, I you know, I just think you got to have it both ways. If you're going to open up the this, we're going to let him play, then let him play. All right, we'll take some text messages as we go along. 65780, get into a little NFL later, and a visit with uh, Travis Ford is coming up. I just think it's interesting. I can I can see both sides of the argument. That's all. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. It has been way too long to have the chance to visit with the head basketball coach at St. Louis University. That is Travis Ford. When, not if, but when we get to basketball on the college scene here in St. Louis, his team is loaded. We will get to that in just a moment. But first of all, Coach, uh, I hope that you and your family and everybody with the Billikens is safe and healthy and that you're doing well. How are things going? Well, I agree. It has been too long. and It's great to be on with you. Everybody's, you know, everybody's good. Um, you know, obviously during these unprecedented crazy times, uh, silver lining is, you know, I got to spend time with my family for three months. Uh, all three kids were home and uh, we got great family time for about three months. And uh, something, gosh, we haven't done in who knows how long. Um, but for the most part, uh, our, my family's been safe. Uh, our team has, uh, has done well and, and, and been healthy, uh, for the most part. And, you know, every day, you know, every day we're, we're concerned every day. We're trying to go by all the protocols and guidelines and making sure the first and foremost priority is to try to keep these young men uh, safe, uh, the best we can while getting an education, while practicing. It's a challenge, but needless to say, it's a challenge and, you know, but everybody's going through it and there's no, there's no playbook for this. Uh, But, uh, you know, I've been proud of our guys so far. How often are you on the phone with assistants, other head coaches? It's a close knit fraternity, whether it's in football, pro college basketball and saying, Hey, how are you guys doing this? What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, there's no playbook, right? So how do, how do you guys try to do this, and are you talking to a lot of other guys? That's interesting you bring it up, and you're 100% correct. Uh, that That's what we're relying on is each other because none of us know, but we're trying to use each other's experiences. It first started back, we'll go back three, four months ago, where I, you're 100% correct. I was calling football coaches that I knew. How's it going? Because they were already getting ready for a season, they thought. Um, and how, how, how's it going? I was talking to ADs that I knew throughout the country and asked how the football, because we all thought, all right, football is going to be ahead of basketball. We're all going to get to see how that goes. And, uh, we are, so we are getting to see how it goes right now. Uh, so now, oh gosh, Dan, I'm probably on the phone with six, seven college coaches a day talking about scheduling, trying to figure this out, talking about what their practices are looking like. But what's interesting about this whole thing that, you know, a lot of people, when we start talking about scheduling, every team seems like has a different guideline protocols that they can do based on their city or state is allowing allowing them to do. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. So everybody's got different rules, uh, you know, uh, which are, which is causing problems uh, as far as trying to put together a schedule. Um, 
you know, some people right now are, you know, wouldn't be able to play home games. I talked to some teams, they said, because right now they're not letting anybody get together and making everybody wear a mask if there's more than 10 people together. So you can't play a game in mask. You're not going to play a game in mask. We're practicing in mask right now, but we're not going to be playing games in mask necessarily. Um, you know, I know like the city of New York, there's so many, you know, you got to quarantine for so long when you come in, got to quarantine when you uh, leave, different things like that. So they're having some serious scheduling problems. But it's interesting to hear all the different, you know, things that are going on throughout the country that is, you know, everybody's going by different different rules, so to say. I can't imagine how you're trying to get a schedule because sometimes these things, and correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, but they're done certainly a year out, sometimes two, sometimes three and you're trying to get this thing done in weeks. How are you trying to schedule? How is it all coming about? Yeah, we had our schedule done for for this for this season. We were done at the end of May, right. completely done, and had one of the best schedules we thought we could have put together. Very very challenging, top ranked teams, top named teams, uh, had great teams coming into Shafitz. And then about three weeks ago, we had to just throw that in the trash can. Um, and you almost had to start all over again uh, because they came out with new rules on when our start date was. They moved back the season two weeks. They limited the amount of games we can play from 31 to 27. Um, but then also some of the teams that we had on our schedule are not playing non-conference games. They're only playing league games, so you lose that team. Uh, a lot of teams that were in 18-game conference schedules, their league goes to 20 or 22 conference schedules, so they had to drop us. So basically, we've had to start from scratch. We did. We, we were able to keep Boston College that we had. Boston College is coming in here on December 12th, so that was a game we had scheduled. That That is, at, at this point, is still uh, a, a go. Uh, Orlando, as of today, that's, you know, right now we're trying to figure that out. It looks like we still most likely are going to start our, our season in Orlando at, at Disney uh, at, at their arena where the NBA is being played right now. That could change. Who knows? That could change. But right now, that's what it looks like as of today. Um, you know, we still have one or two games to go, which is actually good compared to what I'm hearing from everybody else. But it, uh, it's just, this is just crazy, crazy times in so many ways. In terms of not getting too far into it, but testing and those kind of things, how are the kids handling all those difficulties with uh, what we're all dealing with, with sports teams, professional, non-professional teams, and testing just to get on the court or the field? Well, I'll start out by saying, you know, we've been, I think, very fortunate that, um, you know, Chris May, our athletic director from day one, starting back way back when this all started, has, has been an incredible leader for our athletic department and putting together guidelines, protocols, testing, um, it, it's been very, very impressive to watch. Chris May's done an incredible job leading during this time and keeping all the coaches and athletes and everybody's, uh, you know, health at the very, very top. Same thing with our president of the university, Fred Pastello. Uh, you know, it was just during quarantine times, uh, you know, over the last six months or so, constant emails, giving us updates, giving us information. Uh, it's just from from a guy who, you know, I like studying leadership, different things like that. It's been impressive to me to watch, you know, uh, these guys lead uh, our university uh, during these tough times. With that said, our guys have done a great job. They understand, you know, we need to wear masks. We understand that. They understand they can't be going out to parties and things like that. Uh, they understand that we're going to be testing. We are testing, 
you know, quite a bit, uh, you know, and they're very accept- accepting of it. Uh, they want to stay healthy. They want to play. Um, and it's something that we address every single day as far as, you know, the things we need to do to try. And there's no guarantees, as we've seen, right, Dan? There's no guarantees. You can do everything right, and it's still something could happen. Um, but uh, I think our team's handled it pretty well. Travis Ford is my guest, and you have a team that's coming back with experience. And you think about guys that come back that have four years, a chance at four years, and that are elite players, Hassan French, Jordan Goodwin. I'm going to throw Perkins in there. And you've got guys that have, you know, two and three years experience coming back. You have to be thrilled, even though with the circumstances that we're talking about, they're pretty tough, but you got to be thrilled with the team on the floor that you have coming back in 2020-21. Well, we are, and you know, we're hoping it does. Uh, it, it, it does give us. We're hoping some type of advantage that we do have a little bit of an experienced team during these times because, you know, uh, everybody was away from each other for so long, and it was limited practice times and things like that. So, hopefully, our experience can pay off uh, and 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 give us uh, some some little advantage. But you know, you know, we do have great seniors, no question. Great seniors. Uh, proven seniors, and that's one of the reasons I think there's is uh, big expectations for this team. But also, Dan, one of the things I love about our team right now is the makeup of the whole roster. And what I mean by that is the balance of the roster. We sit here and talk about these older guys, but we have eight players that are underclassmen in the freshman and sophomore class. And when I'm talking, and I'm talking about Guys in the freshman sophomore classes are like Gibson Jimerson, Fred Thatch, Jimmy Bell, TJ Hargrove, Yuri Collins, and some freshmen that uh, you know uh, that you guys are going to love to watch play: Markai Strickland, uh, Andre Lawrenson, Philip Russell. You know we've got some we got some guys, some some younger guys on our team that are going to play significant significant roles uh, this year, but they're still underclassmen. So the balance of our roster, the balance of our team is really strong right now. How about Jimerson? How does he look coming off the injury? 100%. He he and both Fred Thatch are back practicing, been practicing for a long time. Uh, you would never know any difference. Uh, yet, you know, Gibson is uh, healthy, looks great, lost a little bit of weight. Fred Thatch, same thing. Uh, both these young men are playing very well in practice every day. Hargrove is, I, I just, this guy's an athlete coach. As you well know, you see him every day. I'm excited about his second year with you. Just tell us a little bit about the summer, what that was like, and then going into this next year. Yeah, you know, TJ's uh, really playing well right now, really shooting the ball from the perimeter extremely well. You know, he's going to be a tough guy to keep off the court because he can play so, you know, so many uh, different positions. Um, but, you know, again, you know, we've got to look back at last year and say, all right, we were playing really good basketball. You know, the last month of the season, last month of the month and a half of the season, we were probably one of the hottest teams in the country. Uh, so we've got to look at, all right, we were playing good, but how do we go from good to great? How do we take the things that we were doing well at and even improve on those? Because we can't look back and just think it's automatically going to happen just because we did play well last year. That's not the way these things work. We can learn from last year, but we've got to improve on them. So, you know, our big theme right now is we got to go from good to great, and we got to figure out what that means uh, and areas we can improve on. We know free throw shooting is something that's got to improve. You know, uh, we know that we can hopefully 
shoot the ball better from the perimeter. Well, I think Gibson, Jimerson, Fred Thatch is going to help us do that. So that's an area we can even get better at. Um, so there's a lot of areas we think we can get better at to help us become a great team. Coach, I'm curious about this. You're a guy that lives, breathes, eats basketball. You're always recruiting. So the summers are important to you this fall, this winter, getting out, watching kids, being in their living rooms or being at their games, those kind of things. That's so important for you and your staff. How are you able to do that with, with what's going on? How do you stay connected and, and recruit? How do you do those things? Well, it's interesting. They're not. We can't do that. The NCAA is prohibiting us from leaving campus to recruit. We cannot recruit. Uh, we have not been able to recruit uh, since, uh, I guess, February. We've been off the road, and they've actually put in a, a ban up until January 1st, and then it will be revisited. So we are not getting out recruiting anytime soon. Uh, all we can do is talk on the phone. We can do Zoom calls with recruits and you know, look at them face to face that way. You know, you know, it's really, really difficult. And you know who I hate it for? I hate it for the players, these high school players. I hate it for seniors uh, and even some juniors that are not going to be able to be watched uh, by college coaches. And this is happening in football as well right now. Uh, it, it, I really feel bad for the players uh, being able to get recruited. It's, it, it's really at a disadvantage to try to get a scholarship for some of these young men and women. Um, for us, you know, luckily, as I mentioned, we're in pretty decent shape. We do have some scholarships and we are actively, obviously recruiting never, ever stops. Uh, we got our eye about on everything, but again, we got eight players, uh, in the, uh, freshman and sophomore class that we believe in, uh, very, very highly. So, but recruiting is, uh, same thing. It's a different day in recruiting right now. And I'll wrap it up with this coach. When it first hit, how did you stay in contact with all your kids when, when they you know, had to disperse and get off campus? As you mentioned, you're a hot team, and all of a sudden, boom, everything hits. They got to get go home or go wherever they're going to go. Um, and you're, you know, you're, you're as hands-on as it gets. Guys are over at your house. You're having dinners. You're having fun with them. You know, that had to be so tough. What, what, what were you able to do with, with your staff and with the kids? Yeah, it's been tough. Um, it, it's been hard because I am a – uh, uh, a look you in the eye type person. I enjoy being around my coaches. I enjoy being around my players away from the court. I like putting my arm around them. Uh, I enjoy that. That's, and it's something that is important to me. And uh, I'm, I'm all about those relationships. And, uh, you know, for three months, uh, almost four months, uh, we were all away from each other. It's the first time for me, it's happened in probably 40 years that I wasn't around a team on a daily basis. What we did, we were doing Zoom calls probably two to three times a week where we would all get on. We would talk about different things going on in the world, a little bit of everything. Uh, but that was the best way to stay connected and really the only way to stay connected uh, as a team together. Obviously, we were talking to guys individually on the phone and doing FaceTimes and stuff like that. But we were together. We were doing Zoom calls probably a minimum to three times a week uh, during that three to four month span. Wow. Coach, you're the best. Keep it up, and uh, we'll catch up hopefully weekly. And uh, let's get the schedule done, and let's uh, see Billiken basketball this year. Uh, sounds great. Sounds great. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You got it. That's Travis Ford, head coach of the Billikens. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 
if there is an egregious act, if they find wrongdoing, that they could order a team to forfeit a game. I don't think that's happening here. I don't think you're going to see the Titans forfeit a game in the near future. And I don't think that's something the NFL wants to use. It's easy to throw that out there as a threat. I think it's another thing to actually follow through. And there would have to be egregious behavior to have something like that occur. It's certainly, I don't believe, going to happen right now. But it's something that the NFL holds in its pocket in the event it finds a team that is brazen in the way it treats this virus. Adam Schefter talking about the Tennessee Titans. They held a workout at a local school. This came one day after they closed their facility after COVID-19 hit their team. Forfeit a game? Yeah, ain't going to happen. Too much money. Titans lose money. Networks lose money. Ultimately, NFL loses money. Now, I was talking about this the other day. The problem with the NFL is that they can't play doubleheaders. So they start running out of runway. What I could see happen, though, Super Bowl gets pushed back. All of a sudden, playoffs get pushed back because we're only a fourth of the way through the season. How do you fit games in? How is that going to happen? That is going to be a concern for them as the Raiders have had now a player test positive. And one of the major concerns that if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan or if you're an NFL fan in general, Patrick Holmes uh, was photographed making close contact with Stefan Gilmore after Monday night's game. And Gilmore has tested positive for COVID-19. I think you just have to uh, trust in the, the process and the protocols that are set in place. I mean, obviously, uh, knowing that I, I I went up to him after the game and just gave him the high five like I would I, I've done my whole career and not thinking about it, it was I mean a little bit of a mental lapse uh, just trying to be, show sportsmanship and stuff like that but uh, I, I mean I feel like the, the protocols in place are good and I just have to trust in that wear my mask uh, do whatever Rick and them say and then then uh, just trust and we don't all know what what's happening in this world this time but just t- accept the challenge every single day of being. Uh, in the best place I can be to be available for the team. Thursday night football coming up on 101 ESPN tonight. Also want to tell you, Ribs, BK, Alex, they've got Pat Maroon coming up on their show. We'll cross it over in just a moment. Uh, from the text line, thank you, Danny Mack, for putting on uh, Coach Ford. Interesting stuff with the schedule and having Billiken content on 101 ESPN. Also, you can hear it if you missed it on scoopsofdannymack.com. A lot of content there as well. Yeah, Coach Ford is great. He's always instant radio. I I love hearing how open and honest he is. He's got a great team coming back. I mean, one of the things that he's got that a lot of college teams do not have is four-year players. I mean, if you're a really good team in college basketball, a lot of guys leave early for the NBA. That's just a fact. And he had a couple of guys test the waters. They said, nope, we're not going. They're coming back. So the other interesting point that I thought he made is that when you can't go out and recruit, as we move forward in 2021, 2022, is the seven to eight underclassmen that he has that he's going to have experience coming back, where other teams, if they've got graduates and they can't get out and all of a sudden recruit and not have that base that is already existing with their program, it's going to be tough to win. It's going to be tough to have a team that has any kind of college basketball experience. And that's what he's got. He's starting to build those waves of classes. And when you do that, that's how you win in college basketball. He's got that. He's building a a really good program at SLU. And that's why I'm so excited to see them get on the floor this year. I would think that they win the A-10. And then once they get in the tournament, they're dangerous. It's going to be fun to see them this year. 
More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time for the crossover. Ribs and BK, they are in the house, and we are, are we less now than 24 hours away from NHL free agency? Uh, yeah, I believe uh, noon tomorrow. Noon right? tomorrow, twelve oh one. There will be fireworks. So we're we're on the Petro Watch officially now. We're on the Petro Watch. Yeah, I'm hoping that we're on the Petro Watch to something really good for yeah. St. Louis. Yeah, um, you know, but I just don't know. Uh, I've never been uh, a pedestrian to a situation like this. I've been it's in the game a, big a long word. time. That is a big word. That's right? a big word. I was going to say spectator, but I'm not really a spectator. I'm just yeah, I got you. Here. Thank you, Dan, for noticing, by the way. No problem. But um, you're looking for civilian. Yeah, okay. Well, you can be quiet again. <laughs> you can be quiet again. What if I'm walking? Now I'm a pedestrian. Okay? I got you, buddy. So, <laughs> it's a strange, it's a really strange situation. Uh, usually players like this are locked up for a lifetime with a franchise. Obviously, the financial climate and all things included create obstacles and look we have some time we have uh what just 25 hours right now let's hope that something gets done this is uh when you have a deadline things get done one way or another it it just gets done you know you set the deadline it's kind of like when you have leagues arguing with players associations and you set the deadline things get done things start to move and at least you have clarity so we'll see what happens there bk I know you've lined up uh, the big rig. He's coming on. I did not. I will give credit where it's okay, due. So that was all Jamie we're the, Rivers. We're on the big rig watch, too. Oh, my God. The big rig watch, yes. <laughs> uh, want, we actually might have a poll on how many how many beverages he may have consumed already today. Yeah, okay. He's probably on the golf course somewhere. Gotta probably. Be. Gotta be. I yeah. think he might be in the gym working out. Really? No. Not a chance. <laughs> so, the odds on that. Dis- you have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.